This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Juanita Benedicto's Jewelry. And friends, wait till you see these stunning asteroid goddess pendants. Astrologer Juanita Benedicto has created enchanting pendants celebrating goddesses like Juno, Vesta, Ceres, and Pallas Athena. Made in sterling silver, these limited-release necklaces make an impressive and beautiful gift to adorn a loved one or to bless up your own inner goddess. During the month of February 2023, save $20 with promo code WITCHES. Get your asteroid goddess pendant today at witchwavegoddess.com and be sure to use offer code WITCHES for $20 off during the month of February 2023. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Rosarium Blends. Rosarium Blends is an esoteric herbal apothecary and occult bookstore. They make their own ritual incense, enchanting oil blends, talismanic natural perfumes, planetary sigil incense, grimoire inks, erotic apothecary, alchemical cosmetics, and so much more. I'm a huge fan of what they make, and I often use their incense blends in my own rituals. They are so special. And each formula is a living spirit serving as a direct link to the inherent energies its charm embodies. Rosarium Blends is offering Witchwave listeners an exclusive coupon for 15% off your entire order, though this does exclude sale items, rare books, and other limited items. So be sure to check them out at www.rosariumblends.com and use offer code WITCHWAVE15. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to the Witch Wave. Happy February, lovely listeners. It's that time again, nearly Valentine's Day, which you probably know by now is also my birthday because I am not shy about mentioning that. So I have a lot of love for this time of year even as I acknowledge that not everyone else does because it's I know the dead of winter and this particular holiday brings up a lot of feelings for people and I totally understand that. But that's partially why I'm excited to be teaching a class on love magic, which will be tomorrow, Thursday, February 9th. So if you're listening to this on the day it drops, you still have time to sign up. If not, don't fear. I will absolutely be making it available online at a later date. This is my Enchanted Heart class, 
and it's going to be super sweet and super special. So do sign up if you feel called to. I would be so, so honored to share this with you. And I'm really interested in the relationship between love and magic and the ways in which love can be expressed and cultivated in so many different ways. Certainly, there's a lot to say about the mystical connection that can happen between two or more, if that's your thing, people who feel attraction, affection, and eroticism between each other. I'm also interested in the magic of self-love, the magic of love for the planet, and the magic of love for life in general. And we'll be touching on some of that in the class as well. But there's another kind of miraculous occurrence that happens when people who trust each other choose to creatively collaborate. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a form of love magic as well. I think about some of my favorite creative friendships and partnerships whose output was greater than the sum of its parts. And I'm lucky enough to have some of these creative partners in my own life. But I'm also thinking about the more obvious and well-known ones like John Lennon and Paul McCartney and the strange, surprising, ingenious music that came from that particular mind meld. I'm thinking, of course, about the artwork of Leonora Carrington and Remedios Varro, whose friendship and mutual interest in the occult and mythology and divine feminism deepened both of their bewitching paintings and writings. And of course, I am thinking about today's guests, the painters Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pareso, who are partners in love, yes, and life, yes, but also at times partners in art, and who not only inspire each other's individual work, but who sometimes collaborate on the very same paintings together. There's something mysterious and powerful that happens when kindred spirits come together to make something new. A lot has been written about this, and in occult and art circles, this phenomenon is sometimes referred to as the third mind. In other words, that two people can come together and under the right circumstances form some sort of third entity that is both of them, but also kind of takes on a life of its own independently. The phrase, the third mind, was popularized by the writer William S. Burroughs and the artist Brian Geisen, and it is the title of their 1977 book, which focused on their cut-up techniques and writings, and it's a phrase that many people think originated with them. But in fact, the two of them were borrowing the language of an early 20th century self-help writer and all-around proponent of the New Thought Movement, whose name was Napoleon Hill. Now, you might be familiar with Napoleon Hill's 1937 book, which was called Think and Grow Rich. And let me pause here just to say that I realize that Napoleon Hill and his contemporaries and in my opinion, a lot of the offshoots of the whole New Thought movement 
can be a bit problematic. Because on the one hand, I do believe in the power of the mind to manifest and attract good things to people. On the other hand, I don't think that these books and writings and philosophies often make a lot of room for the fact that the people living with privilege tend to have an easier time of using the power of positive thinking to get what they want. That's my biggest problem with books like Think and Grow Rich or later The Secret, because they don't acknowledge how things like systemic racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, etc. make it harder for lots of people to use the power of their minds to change their circumstances. And while we're on the subject, I think it's worth mentioning that I also don't believe that we are 100% responsible for causing bad shit to happen, because illness, tragedy, and hardship are part of the human experience, and it's often not our fault when we experience those things. It's not just because we didn't think positively enough or we thought too negatively that these things happen to us, right? But I do believe that magic, ritual, and the power of intention and positivity can certainly help. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a witch. So for me, the writings of new thought thinkers like Napoleon Hill should be taken with a grain of salt, if not a whole shakerful. But there are some ideas that I agree with, to some extent at least. And in Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill writes about what he calls the mastermind principle, which is the idea that the collaboration between the right combination of people can create magnificent things that neither of them or any of them could have come up with alone. He writes about forming what he calls a mastermind alliance with someone or several someones, and he describes this as, quote, the coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose, unquote. And he also writes this, quote, no two minds ever come together without thereby creating a third invisible, intangible force, which may be likened to a third mind, unquote. So there you have it, third mind coming from Napoleon Hill. Now, to me, forming the third mind with someone is an act of mutual respect, trust, intimacy, and surrender. And I would also argue it's an act of love, whether platonic or erotic. For I believe that to be able to do this with someone, there has to be some measure of love for one another's perspectives, gifts, ideas, and imaginations. And I can think of nothing more romantic than that. And that's why I'm so excited for today's Valentine's Day episode to celebrate the collaboration between Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Paraiso. Because in this episode, they talk about their love and their magic and the third mind that they become or form when they engage in their creative artistic collaboration. But 
Before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on the witch wire. Who is it? Witches. So for today's Witch Wire, I recently received two different questions from different people that are actually very related to each other. So I'm going to read an excerpt of each and then answer them together. Angela writes, My partner and I are eloping after three years of postponements due to the pandemic and health reasons, and we couldn't be more excited. We are having our ceremony in New Orleans, in a historic, decommissioned church, and we have decided to keep it just the two of us. After all that we've been through together during the past three years of our engagement, it's important to us to have this day be intimate and solely for us two. And since we are both Aries, we are having our ceremony on the night of the new moon in Aries and the day after spring equinox. My question is, what are some ways I can incorporate my magical practice into our day? And KJ writes, I live on and run an organic farm in rural eastern Iowa with my partner of almost seven years. We have goats, chickens, ducks, four dogs, and a beautiful piece of land where we grow all sorts of veggies and flowers. We are very much in love and actually celebrating an engagement. We got engaged on the day after my birthday of this year. We are both extremely connected with the earth and earth-based spirituality. I recall in a past Witch Wave episode, you briefly talked about your own wedding to your partner, Matt, and I cannot figure out which episode it was. I guess my overall question is, what would be your suggestion for someone trying to plan their own meaningful pagan slash earth-based spiritual wedding ceremony? Okay, so hello, Angela. Hello, KJ. And first, just a massive congratulations to you both and to your partners. I adore weddings. I love wedding ceremonies. And I think that they are truly powerful magic spells that we can cast to devote ourselves to love, to loving each other, to loving ourselves, and to loving the capital S spirit that has blessed us with such a deep connection to another person that we want to honor it and make a commitment to it. And here's the part where I say, and I truly mean this, that marriage is not for everyone. Partnership is not for everyone. So I am in no way trying to promote or push the idea of getting married onto anyone if that doesn't feel right for you. But for those who do choose to get married, this is an opportunity for you to craft a deeply sacred and joyful and playful ritual together that reflects the two of you and your love. And I will also tell you that even for the most skeptical among us, there is something about saying words out loud to one another in a ritualized manner that is unquestionably transformative. Something just shifts when you engage in this kind of ritual. Because we are making promises that are being witnessed. Witnessed by ourselves, by each other, and by something or someone or several somethings or several someones. 
And now, Angela, I know that you and your partner are just doing a ceremony for the two of you, and that is glorious. But I still believe that you will have spiritual witnesses there, whether we sum it up as one witness that we call spirit or source or whatever name you choose, or whether there are deities or elements that you want to invoke to be present, or ancestors that you want to call upon for their blessings. You will not be alone in the immaterial world as far as I'm concerned, even if your wedding is just for the two of you. And KJ, maybe your witnesses will be your ducks and dogs and goats and trees and veggies and flowers, or maybe you're planning on having some people there too. But regardless, I would just keep in mind for all of you the true intention behind a wedding and behind your wedding. This is the celebration of two souls who found each other and who are promising to love each other and support each other. And you are doing this out loud before the presence of something sacred. In fact, we can call it a ritual to honor the spirit of love. And yes, I know you're both looking for me to tell you specific suggestions of things to do. And yes, you can hear me talk in more detail about some of those ideas on episode number 45 of The Witch Wave, which also happened to be a Valentine's Day episode. And at the beginning of it, there's a witch wire question about weddings where I go into detail about my wedding to Matt. And I do give suggestions for magical wedding ceremonies. But I just feel compelled this time around to, rather than talk specifics, re-emphasize the intention of wedding ceremonies, because I think sometimes that can get lost for people. In my introduction to this episode, you heard me talk about the notion of the third mind. Well, in a wedding ritual, you are forming a third heart. Because a relationship is an entity unto itself that has to be consistently nourished and tended to and honored. So yes, you can Google or read about the pagan ceremony of hand fasting. You can call circle during your ceremony. You can make or bless beautiful candles that you burn during the ceremony or invoke those deities, those ancestors, or some combination of all of these. But I trust that each of you is magical enough and creative enough to figure those details out. What I'm tasking you with now is to come up with a ritual together that honors you both as individuals and which makes an oath to this third heart that you are forming, to this spiritual relationship that you are hereby devoting yourselves to cultivating continuously from this day forward. So for this ceremony, What or who do you need to call in to help you embark on this holy task with beauty, love, generosity, and enchantment? Incorporating that perspective and whatever those symbols, names, and words are somehow into your ceremony will undoubtedly make it special because this will be an act of collaborative divine devotion devotion to each other, and devotion to your relationship as witnessed 
by spirit. Congratulations to each of you and to your partners, and I'm wishing you all many, many years of joy and love. Now, on to my guests. Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pereso are artists who create solo work and collaborative work that is lush and metaphysical. Tino expertly weaves together elements from Catholic idolatry, European fairy tales, Celtic fables, Mexican myths, and Native American legends as he explores the complexity of spirituality, sexuality, and transformation. The duality found in Western religions, good and evil, heaven and hell, spirit and body, intermingle in a vision that makes such distinctions irrelevant. Tino was born and raised in Guadalajara, Mexico. A graduate of the San Francisco Art Institute, he holds an MFA from the University of Albuquerque, and his work has been shown in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, San Jose, Boston, Washington, D.C., and Berlin, and resides in permanent collections at the San Jose Museum of Art, the Crocker Art Museum, and the Nevada Museum of Art. Virgo describes his own work thusly, quote, Through your divine light, the universe awakens and consciousness blooms. The visions in my paintings are of deep, lush, paradise worlds that depict the profound connection between all sentient beings, the oneness of all things. These mindscapes are portals that can open up our sense of perception and remind us of what we truly are in essence, which is infinite love and beauty. We are true divine wisdom. We are the source of existence. We are life itself. Unquote. Virgo was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. He grew up between Okinawa, Japan, Hawaii, and San Francisco, and he has studied art and exhibited in all of these places as well as in New York, Boston, and Berlin. Both Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pereso have done work for the Wachowskis, including their Netflix series, Sense8, a music video for Antony and the Johnsons, and films including Jupiter Ascending and The Matrix Resurrections. Tino and Virgo joined me from their truly resplendent studio in San Francisco via Zoom. Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pareso, welcome to the Witch Wave. Thank you. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you for having us. Honored to be here. Pleasure. It is a pleasure to <laughs> talk to you. Finally, after yes. <laughs> all these books, you know, that we've been collaborating, well, working with. Yes. I get, I get to talk to you. And we've been friends on Instagram for quite a while, too. Yes, I've been such a huge fan of both of your work. But before we move forward, because I'm speaking with both of you, I just want the listeners to recognize whose voice is whose. Yes. So, Tino, why don't you say hello first so we get a sense of your beautiful tones? Hello, I am Tino, and these <laughs> are my beautiful tones. <laughs> Perfect. And Virgo, your turn. And this is Virgo. It's a pleasure to be part of this wonderful conversation. 
Uh, I'm so delighted. And I need to tell the listener that I'm getting to gaze at both of you lovely humans on screen. And you greeted me in full regalia wearing essentially costumes. Tino, you were wearing antlers. Virgo, you're still wearing all kinds of tinsel and glitter and a rosy golden crown. I mean, you both look like deities. So I am so honored that you dressed up for me today. I wish our listeners could see. Oh, thank you. We, we very often uh, dress up for fun parties, like Burning Man parties and like San Francisco radical fairies. You know, it's fun to transform yourself into different characters and just go with the flow. <laughs> we also have spontaneous photo shoots here. Yeah, in the yeah. We, we do a lot of photography and, you know, as, as part of our body of work. So we have props laying around everywhere. Yeah, you just have costumes everywhere. And I'm getting to look at your studio right now, which is like the space of my dreams. I'm going to try to describe what I'm seeing. I'm seeing some canvases with some semi-finished work or work in process, I believe. And both of them look like skulls. Some people might be familiar with the artwork that you create together, which is sometimes these beautiful sort of Dia de los Muertos skulls that are made out of fairies, birds, flowers. I'm seeing kind of a Hieronymus Bosch, Adam and Eve figure. Yeah, yeah. So lush. And then outside of these canvases, I'm seeing an altar. I'm seeing tons of art materials, costumes, chimes, flowers, urns, vases. It's a Buddha in a lotus garden. It's forming a a skull as part of this body of work that we're creating. Yeah, we're doing 12 new skulls for the 2025 Immortalidad calendar skull. Wow, 2025 or 2024? We already have the 2024. Whoa! It's coming out this spring. Wow, how fabulous. Well, listen, I'm overwhelmed in the best way by all of these (laughs) visuals, but I want to make sure our listeners can really get a sense of this lush, opulent world that you both create and clearly embody in your material lives as well. Mm. So, Virgo, since we have a painting behind you that you just held up, perhaps you can maybe describe your work individually, and then I'll ask Tino to describe his work individually, and then we'll talk about the alchemy that is your collaboration, because I understand you both work as solo artists and as partners and collaborators. So, Virgo, how do you describe your work? How would you describe it to someone who could not see it? Although I hope everyone will go Google you both immediately. The best way, of course, is to see it, but a description would be just very, very lush. It sounds strange, but I go into the zone and it feels like things just flow through me, like I am a tool for an outside force. <laughs> like you're channeling, it sounds like. Channeling. Yeah, it sort of just happens naturally. So these images are like lush gardens, also th- strange things that are not necessarily of this world. It's sort of like in between worlds. And the inhabitants are part human, part animal, part plant, or just strange, wonderful creatures that just come to me. Yeah. The word hybrid comes up a lot for me when I'm looking at your work. There are these 
bird people hybrids or butterfly people or plant people, these gorgeous kind of transcendent beings that occupy different spaces at the same time. Thank you. Yeah, I have always felt like I'm neither here nor there, like existing in between as kooky as it sounds <laughs> in between dimensions. And like I have a deep connection, which allows me to bring forth this imagery into this realm from a realm that is not visible to us. Mm. Yes. So magical and so beautiful. So Tino, what about you? How do you describe your work to someone who doesn't get to view it with their eyes immediately? I would say it probably stems from connection with the invisible, invisible world. Mm -hmm. It also stems from a need to connect with nature to allow the magic to maybe become transformed by the power of nature and to inform others and myself that we are all connected, not only with each other, but also with things that we don't have access to on a daily basis. Everything that happens or everything that can be harmful to one being, like for instance, the bees or the butterflies, anything that will be harmful to them will eventually be harmful to the whole world. Mm -hmm. I guess my work will be a connection with everything living and visible and invisible. Most of my work is inspired by that. And my aim is to make people aware that we're actually all connected. And, you know, we have to be nicer, not just to each other, but to our mother planet, you know? Yes, yes. To be in a kinder, more gentle world. I mean, watching the news, I don't watch them anymore, but it's so much negativity in the news. I avoid watching them because everything is bad and horrible. So I want with my paintings to maybe talk about also the beauty and the magic that exists in the world and mm. how fortunate we are to live in this incredible magical garden, you know? Absolutely. My belief is that we are living in this magical garden and we should really embrace it and feel very privileged to live in this earth that is just such an amazing place for us. Mm, beautifully said. And Tino, when I look at your work, I often see images of goddesses or different deities. You also have certain motifs that show up. You often have eggs or yeah. goddesses with antlers, lots mm. of flowers, rainbows. And both of you have this real prismatic color palette. Just the color is so rich and joyful and opulent. I really cannot get enough. It is so gorgeous what each of you makes individually and together as well. Thank you. Thank so you. That's very kind. We have several bodies of work. One of them is like my goddess paintings, or I should say our goddess paintings, because sometimes we collaborate in some of them. Yes. And I think the goddess comes from a very ancient place, from the Venus of Willendorf, which I used to remember seeing images of her in books when I was in school. Yes. And I always thought, wow, this is like a fascinating image of a woman. You know, it's like she looks alien, but then she's so earthy too, you know? So I always think of the goddess as like the universal goddess, you know, she's the all powerful mother of the world. Yes. 
Yes. And, and also, you know, there is a dialogue in connection with a lot of female painters that I admire. When I was in art school, I remember I kept checking out all these books by similar artists. I would see something and I would grab it. And it was several books by Leonora Carrington. Yes, obviously. Queen. Leonor Finney, Remedios mm -hmm. Barrow, and yep. Dorothea Tanning. But I'm going to go back a little bit further back. Because when I was going to school in Paris, one day I was actually walking around the streets and there was a street vendor of books and they had the book of women's surrealism. Tino, that's the one that changed my life by Whitney Chadwick. Yes, exactly. That is how I discovered Remedios and Leonora. That is a book that I picked up when I was a student at La Sorbonne. Yes. And that is the book that I looked at while I was in Paris and going to all these amazing museums and not seeing any of these women painters in any of the museums or hardly any women painters in any places that I went to. So I came back and this book, a major inspiration for my work. And my goddess paintings are actually a conversation that I've been having with all these amazing painters, you know that I've admired and I looked up to, and they're like my fairy godmothers, especially Leonora Carrington, because when I was showing my work in New York, I showed in the same gallery that uh, Leonora Carrington was shown. Oh, how wonderful. Which gallery? It was called Brewster Arts Limited. Sure. It was on, uh, I think it was on 50, 57th Street, I believe. Mm -hmm. I was shown in the same gallery and in several group shows that I went to. I saw a lot of her work along mine. And I, that was like a, such an amazing moment for me. And I almost went to her 85th anniversary at the gallery. She had a show and there was going to be a big party to celebrate her because I remember she hated flying and I actually had a flight and everything prepared, but I got really sick and I couldn't go anywhere. So mm. that's my story about Leonora Carrington. I never got to meet her. <laughs> Well, it's a bummer you didn't meet her, but it sounds like your art got to meet her. And that's such a blessing. What an incredible thing. Yeah, it was it was nice to have been showing my work along hers, too. So that was really lovely. How fabulous. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab is a specialty fragrance house currently celebrating its 20th year, now based in Philadelphia. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab specializes in formulating body and household blends with a dark, romantic, gothic tone. And over the years, they've collaborated with so many of my heroes, including Neil Gaiman, Guillermo del Toro, and the Jim Henson Company. They continually return to inspirations drawn from history, mythology, literature, pop culture, and fine art. And they have a sister store called Twilight Alchemy Lab that creates oils blended and consecrated specifically for use in witchcraft and ritual magic. Keep up with their latest seasonal perfume releases by looking them up on social media. And Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab also now has a YouTube channel where they share scent reviews, announcements, and original video art. 
perfume archives and customer reviews going back many years can be found at the fanrunbpal.org web forum. And of course, you can order all of Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab's decadent perfumes, oils, and more at blackphoenixalchemylab.com. The Witch Wave is sponsored by BetterHelp. I often think about trying to aspire to be the best version of myself. And I know that I can reach that best version or at least a better version of myself when I am taken care of, when I've taken steps for self-care through things like sleep and eating and of course my magical practice, and also when I am in therapy. Yes, indeed, I have been a huge fan of therapy, a huge proponent of therapy, a huge consumer of therapy for most of my adult life, and it has absolutely helped me become a better version of myself, a more healthy version, a more emotionally nourished version, a more self-actualized version of myself. And I truly believe that I wouldn't be able to do all that I'm able to do without therapy having been such a big part of my life. I wish everybody could go to therapy. I wish everybody would go to therapy. Therapy has helped me develop coping skills for when I feel overwhelmed and stressed or when some post-traumatic stress disorder stuff kicks in for me. And it's helped me feel more self-empowered because I have taken steps to focus on myself, to focus on my needs, to focus on my development with somebody who is there for just me in those sessions. And that's something I think everybody could benefit from and that everybody deserves. I think the world could be a better place if everybody took care of their mental health. And remember, you don't have to have some huge trauma or drama that you're going through in your life. Therapy is just good for everyday maintenance to help you clear out some of those worries and anxieties and stresses so that you then have more bandwidth to do the things in your life that you really want to do and for you to become the person that you are meant to become. If you're at all curious about therapy, BetterHelp is a great option because it is more convenient and more accessible than so many other offerings out there. It's affordable and it's entirely online so you can communicate with your BetterHelp therapist from virtually anywhere. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire online, and then you'll get matched with a licensed therapist that's hopefully right for you. But if not, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because BetterHelp wants you to find that right match. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WitchWave today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WitchWave. Take care of yourself and live the life you're meant to. Hi, Witch Wavers. I have exciting news. At long last, we have some new Witch Wave merch available for you now through T Public. 
We decided to go with TeePublic for our new Witchwave merch because it is a print-on-demand site, which means you can get different variations of the Witchwave logo printed on t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, magnets, notebooks, oh my gods, the sky's the limit. And the shirts come in different styles and fabrics and colors and are available in sizes small through 5XL so you can order whatever you'll feel you're most magical in. So head on over to witchwavepodcast.com slash shop. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pareso. So... We were talking about some of your artistic influences, Tino. Virgo, who are some of your influences? More than artists that are already famous, I really find inspiration from being observant to details in life, to the real world. I'll be walking down the street and somebody spilled a coffee and it made this beautiful shape and it really comes to life. and. I'm very often photographing these things so that I don't uh, forget Mm. and also carry like a pocket sketchbook. I take a sheet of paper, rip it and fold it and make this really great ideas because I have so many ideas constantly going through my mind. Different things, different lights, different colors and shapes really inspire me. So that's the biggest part of my inspiration. I've, I've always been that way since I was a child. I was hyperactive. Uh, I got kicked out of three schools because I was too hyper. Oh, wow. My mom, she took me to a special school for hyperactive kids. And I got together with the worst kid there. And we just were a terror. (laughs) The uh, teachers there would have like projects for the kids. Uh, Sure. So it was like a checkered sheet with squares. And they would have the kids fill in the squares, something to help them put their mind back together. So I found theirs kind of simple. And so I would invent my own. (laughs) And so they just had me like a factory creating these images for them. And my mom's like, wait a minute, I'm paying you. (laughs) And my kid is designing all these things for you. I love it. But uh, I don't really focus on any particular artist. There is so much amazing art and so much art that really doesn't get any visibility. To me, there are a lot of conceptual art that, I mean, some of it is, is wonderful, but a lot of it is really like the system is sort of trying to make people feel awkward for not understanding why a red splash is worth millions of dollars. When there right. are so many artists that are so talented and really connected to this essence that I was talking about earlier and channel mm-hmm. the beautiful things and create, manifest such beauty uh, and they get ignored because the, the system is focusing and trying to make people focus in these other things that is not really about beauty, about connection, about feeling, about emotion, about your senses and your magic in your existence instead they give you like this lame to me like when i see this i know that it's really created to distract people from some really beautiful stuff for example tino and i went to italy we went to florence there Mm. is like from floor to ceiling this mind-blowing art and nobody even knows who the artists are and they are Mm -hmm. so mind-blowing 
And I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? You know, it's like. Yes, I understand. Well, listen, I wanted to speak specifically with the two of you for this episode because this is going to be airing just before Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. My favorite holiday, actually. (laughs) Me too. It's also my birthday. Thank you very much. I know. I'm a Valentine baby, a love witch baby. (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie Picnic at Hanging Rock? I love that movie. Next place on Valentine's Day. You know. Oh, believe me, I know. I love that film that so much. That movie is so incredible. Yes, yes. But I'm very interested in the notion of, of course, love, but also the notion of partnership and collaboration. And so I have lots of questions about how you work together. I suppose the first one is just simply, how did you meet each other? How did you encounter one another? We met 22 years ago here in San Francisco, actually, mm-hmm. at a bar. Yeah. It's really cool. And we were celebrating. I was with a couple of uh, one of my best friends and painter. And Virgo was with another friend who was hanging his show at a gallery somewhere in Hayes Valley. So we actually met them there. I've never met Virgo. I knew his friend because he had asked me if I had some artwork that I wanted to sell. He wanted to become a dealer and wanted to start doing shows. And I had just gotten invited to a show at the San Jose Museum of Art. And I was really excited because the curator had come and she was actually very positive visit. And she really liked my work and wanted to have three pieces for this exhibition. So I was not celebrating that. And, you know, Virgo was there. And that's when we met that night. Yes. And did you immediately know you had a spark? I know I'm being very nosy. Yeah, no, no. But in terms of how your affection for each other deepened, was it pretty immediate or did it take a while? It took a while, but the connection was there since the very beginning. I think once Virgo saw my work, he realized he had already seen a show of mine. Oh, He had already seen the work. He had gone to see my show with a friend. When he saw my work, he's like, I'm also a painter. And then like, oh, what kind of work do you do? And then we started talking and I went to see his show. It was pretty incredible with all these hybrid creatures. And I was like, wow, you are actually a really good painter because uh-huh. I meet so many people and they're like, oh, I'm an artist. And then I go, oh. And then they show <laughs> the work and, and it's like, oh, when do you do this? And they're like, oh, this was, I did this in high school. I'm like, well, that's kind of a long time ago. <laughs> mm. You know, they say they're artists, but they're more like art aficionados, but, you know, they're not serious artists. And when I saw Virgo's art, I'm like, oh, you are a real artist, you know. Yeah. It was good, yeah. You impressed him, Virgo. I was impressed, yeah. (laughs) It was wonderful because my whole life growing up, I've taken art so seriously. I remember in high school and in art classes, I was so dedicated that I sort of felt like I wanted more of a challenge. I wanted to feel like, oh, my God, I better kick some butt because this person is so good. But I never really felt this inspiration to want to be even better at the best I could possibly be. When I met Tino, a co-worker showed me a flyer for his show. And he said, like, this guy's work reminds me of yours. It's really incredible. And you should check it out. And I was fascinated by the image and the card. So I went to his show and I was completely blown away. And I told my friend, I love this piece, one of the <laughs> paintings. And 
So like, you're crazy. You don't have any money. You could never afford this. Uh, don't bother these ladies. <laughs> uh, that, that I took out my 401k plan. I'm like, I don't care. Wow. I want yes. painting in my He's life. He's like, I want to like, buy these paintings. I'm like, this, are you crazy? This art, this art is so mm. incredible. It just has to be part of my life. He bought a painting. I was like, wow, okay. Wow. That's that's a good move, my friend. No, but it was like a lifelong dream to meet somebody as incredible that also loved such similar things as I did. And oh. we connected so well. It was just a light, like magic. Yeah. It was incredible. And it still is. And it gets better every day. Yeah. We inspire each other and we yeah. push each other for excellence. And like, oh, yeah, wow, that's so great. And then... We try to be just better and better. Yeah, so yeah. It's really, really exciting. You're going to make me cry. This is like, <laughs> this is serious relationship goals right here. So I would love to hear logistically about the collaborative piece. How do you decide which pieces you're going to collaborate on? I'm sure there's some kind of maybe secret sauce you don't want to share with us, and that's fine. But, you know, are you just kind of taking turns back and forth, or is one person starting and the other person finishing? Just as much as you care to share about the actual collaborative process would be really interesting to hear. I think most people would imagine, you know, if there's two artists working on the same piece, that they would just work on top of what the other one on did. On top of each other. Sometimes the composition happens organically. But sometimes we make a sketch or an idea and then we decide who's going to do which part. And then so we leave a blank space for each other of like, okay, you're going to take care of this. So we don't cover each other's things. Sometimes like a little leaf will overlap. A little bit overlap. Whatever. But (laughs) we love each other's work so much that we're just always like, yes, yes. You know, it's never like, oh, no, you messed up my work. No, no, no. It's just like. That's great. And we just encourage each other. And it's pretty incredible. That is so lucky. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tino. I was just going to say, it's like a conversation piece. You know, you talk as you move on and you're like, oh, what about, uh, you know, what do you think of this color here? Although I try not to influence too much what he does and vice versa. Sometimes we have points. We go, oh, what about this here? What do you think of this here? And we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Yes. Yeah. So we give each other advice sometimes and we can take it or leave it. No hard feelings. But normally we're like on point. Normally we both agree like, yeah, that actually needed that there. Yeah. It's so amazing to me that you can do that as partners, too, because it's a real exercise in egolessness. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. and also it's very alchemical. It's like the two elements becoming this other third thing. And I just find that so inspiring. And it sounds like a lot of fun, too. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Part of the awareness that we are all the same energy. And two energies together create a greater energy. A greater energy. If you bring the two right energies together, you can create something really, really We create a third artist. And it's really exciting because it's kind of like right in between both of us. Yes. It's like our conversation love piece but yeah it's a lot of fun mm. also you know it's half the work that i have to do on a piece so it's great yeah, it's great because <laughs> we get it done half as difficult yeah. and twice as beautiful so yeah. what could be better than that oh, <laughs> yeah. so gorgeous on that note we're gonna take another quick break and we'll be right back i want to tell you about 
Pendulum Swings Tarot. This is an offering from an incredible reader named Kathleen, who does a whole host of different readings. But what I love about the tarot reading that I got is that it was all done via email. And that's what she specializes in. She will do a reading for you based on a question that you send her. And then she takes a photograph of the cards that come up and she writes out in great detail what the cards are saying to her and what messages are coming through. And I loved my reading because, as you can imagine, I've gotten a lot of different readings over the years. And I often spend a lot of the session trying to jot down notes and trying to remember and absorb everything the reader said. And in this case, getting this beautifully written out reading really helped me take my time to absorb the messages and allow me to go back and reread it as often as I can so I can really be present for everything that the cards were communicating for me. Through the Pendulum Swings Tarot, Kathleen offers many different types of readings which are all psychic and intuitive and emailed to you. And these offerings include tarot readings, year ahead readings, past life regressions, and spirit communication. And Kathleen says that she chose the title of The Pendulum Swings because she finds that the swing of the pendulum carries meaningful, symbolic significance, the ebb and flow of life. And she wants to help people navigate extremes like the pendulum to eventually deliver us to a position of balance and insight. And once again, this will all be emailed to you so you can read it on your own time and reference it later. You can find the Pendulum Swings Tarot on Instagram at the Pendulum Swings Tarot, on Etsy at Kathleen's Etsy shop, which is Pendulum Swings Tarot. And she is offering 13% off any of her readings if you use code my wave 13. That's my wave 13 for 13% off any reading from the Pendulum Swings Tarot. I so appreciated my reading, and I think you're really going to love it too. Would you like even more Witch Wave? Do you wish you could hear from me and my other bewitching guests on a weekly basis? Then come join us on Patreon, where you'll get bi-weekly bonus Witch Wave Plus episodes, ad-free Witch Wave episodes, and detailed show notes for all. Rewards for some tiers also include magical merch and contests where you can win witchly prizes each month, as well as early heads up about my workshops before they sell out. And all backers get access to our exclusive digital coven, where I lead monthly online rituals and where you can connect to a community of other wonderful witch wave witches around the world. So head on over to patreon.com slash witchwave and sign up. It's a fabulous way to get more magic in your life and to support the show. Thank you so much. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pareso. So we were talking about alchemy and this sense of magical collaboration. And I know you both are very enchanted by this notion of art and magic. 
I see you have an altar in your studio behind you. I know you like to shapeshift into costumes. How else does magic or ritual influence your artwork? It's interesting that you mentioned the word ritual because we were just talking about this yesterday. And I was talking to Virgo about how, like, most people assume that we just walk into a studio, sit down, and start painting. I said to him, it's interesting they actually are really clueless as to what it takes to open this magic door to this realm that we don't see, you know? It takes a lot of concentration. Uh, You create these force around you that allows you to enter. And it's a lot about yielding power, a lot about like saying, I'm here. Can you please allow me to enter this place today? And it's a ritual. It involves, you know, making tea, lighting up a candle, burning incense, but it also a spiritual ritual that you partake in. You are actually opening up your heart to allow for this to happen. Most people just assume that the idea of painting is basically a physical one, but they don't consider the metaphysical, spiritual part of art making art. It isn't just the hand that is making these brush trucks. It's connected to like these other wonderful places that you connect to. And sometimes when you're painting, you lose track of time and you all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, it's like midnight, you know, or five in the morning, whatever that might be, you know? And yes. You slowly come out of that. But you're talking about the aspect of magic. I think it's embedded in our childhood too, because we're both from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mexico is a very spiritual, magical place. People still celebrate like for instance day of the dead there's a big celebration for that so we grew up with that pagan celebration and there's also a sorceress that you can go to and then they would heal you and give you herbs so would this be a curandera yeah curandera yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. there's a lot of magical things when you go to the marketplace people that make art arts and crafts to herbs flowers Basically, it's it's embedded in magic, Mexico. Yes. There's a strong connection that they call it the Nahual spirit. Every person, when they're born, they have an animal spirit assigned to them. Not everyone, but a lot of people believe in these. And they're like, you know, animal spirits, we all have one or several. Tino, what was that word you used? It's Nahual. It's Mm -hmm. N-A-G-U-A-L. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, it's a pre-Hispanic word uh, for, animal twin, for animal twin soul. Mm. And it's a beautiful legend about that. So we grew up with all these stories. Also a lot of oral storytelling, specifically Mexican tales, La Llorona, the yes. weeping woman. Yes. That's very famous. And I think as children, we all knew that story. And that's the story that our mothers used that we come back home late at night, like, hey, come home, or, or else like, your owner's going to come and grab you and steal you away. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. There's a, a lot of that magic everywhere, you know, in the culture. So, What region did you each grow up in? So I'm from Jalisco, Guadalajara, mm-hmm. which is the West Coast. And, and I'm from Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. Chihuahua is the, the biggest state in Mexico, which is under the biggest state in the U.S., which is Texas. So they're like border to each other. Right. Okay. And when did each of you move to the States? So I was 13 when I moved here the first time. Mm-hmm. I went back home and went to school there for a little while and then came back here and started junior college here. So. 
I've been here since 15 years of age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I remain here and I've gone back for vacation only. But I feel like San Francisco is home, especially San Francisco, because I used to be in LA area. Yeah. I never really liked it, but I really liked the school. I went to Santa Monica College and I love the school system. Really great teachers and their art classes were amazing. I learned a lot in Santa Monica College and I just love school there, you know. I transferred to the Art Institute here in San Francisco in 1991, and I moved here then, and I felt like I had arrived home. Yes. Other than a break from San Francisco, three years in New York, and we came back because it was not our cup of tea. We didn't connect with our energy, with our vibes. So we came back here. But other than that break, I've always been, since 1991, I've been in San Francisco. Very cool. And Virgo, what about you? Uh, so I left Mexico and came to the U.S. between 12 and 13 years old. And then my mom married a Navy chief. And my mom and her three boys, we all went to Okinawa, Japan for four years. Wow. And then uh, from that, we moved to Hawaii. My stepdad stayed there for two terms. And then I stayed extra. I was there for like over a decade. Mm -hmm. and then I met somebody that lived here. And we flew back and forth. I was invited to come here. I'm like, oh, yes. San Francisco is the most beautiful, magical, powerful city. It's uh. just so free and welcoming for all types of personalities and life forms, you know? Yeah, it's Absolutely. True. Uh, I love San Francisco. And so many of my favorite artists and writers have spent time there, if not were born there. And... I was actually thinking about, speaking of another pair of magical collaborative artists, are either of you familiar with the artist Jess and the writer Robert Duncan? Oh, my God. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, because they used to live down yes. here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just reading their book. <gasps> okay, so when you're done with that book, Tino, and the uh -huh. book Tino just held up is called The Householders, and I have oh not read that one. So, so incredible. So I saw an exhibition of theirs that came to NYU, actually, a number of years ago, wow. and it was called An Opening of the Field something like Jess and Robert Duncan and their circle. And it was all about, again, like the two of you, Jess being this primarily collage artist and visual artist. Now, Robert Duncan was more of a poet and a writer, but they lived in San Francisco. They collaborated. They're literally a few blocks away from here. Yeah, Our friends right, yeah, bought a house the across the street house. from Duncan. So I took a pilgrimage maybe about 10 years ago to visit their house, and I couldn't get in. I don't know who owned it, but I just went yeah. to their house just to kind of pay my respects um, yeah. because they were part of this community of people who were interested in magic and art oh, and yeah, mythology. And earlier, one of you mentioned the radical fairies. Oh, and yes. so I would love to hear a little bit about the magical artistic community that you're part of, if you care to share. Yeah, so after coming back from New York, we were there for about three years, and it was wonderful. It, it was, was wonderful, amazing, yeah. But not for longer than three years. We were there for three years, so it was just perfect. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But we came back, and a writer friend of ours that lived in a ferry house 
Ferry Community House. Invited, we we uh, stayed with them let for, us stay for with a, him. a few and weeks. So we met all these wonderful radical fairies. Yes, yeah, really welcoming. And, and, uh, and let me actually interject for the listener who might not be familiar with that term. The radical fairies, my understanding is this is a primarily queer magical community, usually of queer men. Is that correct? Well, also a lot of women, queer women, trans, yeah. yeah. Non-binary, so all genders. Okay, that's great. More and more. More and more. As time progresses. But it was already very open to whoever. You know, queer, it's a term that everybody can use. Yes. Necessarily in the terms of being homosexual, but also in your view of the world. People that are open and that enjoy having a magical existence and a lot of people that didn't want to describe themselves as female or male something in between maybe you know it was always like that very radical and politically radical too it's a really wonderful group of people they organize a lot of really interesting parties and from all these parties they actually donate a lot of the money to a lot of foundations of people that may need you know help Mm. and uh, really wonderful group of people Um, how gorgeous of course you know that the san francisco is the home of the Uh, coquettes oh of (laughs) course of course the coquettes have come up on this podcast before for sure how fabulous the sisters of perpetual indulgence which is a group of nuns that are the cherry word yeah really really interesting Uh, kind of part of the radical fairies i've not heard they're nuns so well, they, they dress up like nuns. Yeah. Okay. So they actually, they yeah. wear a brassiere on their head. Horns and makeup. Okay, so and my hairs. my kind of nuns. Got it. <laughs> I love that. They're queer nuns, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but fabulous. they're very political, and they do a lot of outreach for the, in the community. Really, really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there's all these like, groups of people that just following their dreams and opening their hearts and following their bliss and you know doing really beautiful things for the community. Oh, I love that so much. Speaking of community, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about your involvement in Sensate and oh. your connection with Lana Wachowski. Can you share for those listeners who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, what this project was and your involvement with it? We met Lana Wachowski and her wife, Karen, a while back in like 2008. And they actually saw a show of us in Berlin. The last day of the show, they ran to see the show because one of her friends said, oh, you got to go see the show. These guys are really interesting. I think you like their work. On the last day, I guess they had just finished they filming Space Racer. Racer. And wanted something to remember. They were they looking wanted... for a wonderful piece from a German from, from Berlin uh, uh, artist. And they went to see this show and they loved the work and they got a few pieces from ours. But really quick, they went to purchase the art. Like, where are these wonderful right. German artists from? Oh, where no, are these artists the from? <laughs> they live in the mission in San Francisco. <laughs> they're like, like close to our house because they were like up they, the hill. Yes, yes. We made a date to meet up with them and uh, we didn't know who they were. They never said, you know, I'm Lana Wachowski and nothing like that. So... We meet up and we really love talking about art and hanging out, really great energy. And we went out to dinner that night and continue talking about art. And we just, you know, we say goodnight and it was a pleasure meeting you. Call us again when you're in town again. But we didn't know that was Lana <gasps> Wachowski. Yeah, we didn't know anything. Oh, oh my goodness. It was until we made a video for Anthony and the Johnsons. Yes, Anoni. Yes, I yeah, love, I love her so much. So we did a video for her. But 
Lana and Karen invited us to dinner and Lana had a proposition for us. And we thought, oh, maybe they want to commission something. That's wonderful. And Lana is like, well, my friend wants me to make a video for her, but I will only do it if you guys do it with me. Yeah. And, and we're like, oh, I think of we're course like, we can do it. We had no idea she's, she had ever made movies or anything. You know, and, and I, we're I, like, oh, we got this. We're really creative. We're I mean, I did. <laughs> so we'll make it happen. I did separate movies and art school. And I was very familiar with a lot of avant-garde filmmakers, Derek Jarman, yes. the Brothers Quay. Yes, yes, yes. All these people that made movies in a shoestring budget. And I'm like, oh, I think we can do it. We can pull it off. No problem. It's <laughs> going to be like very experimental, but it's exciting because, you know, yes. doing something original with very little money, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, we could do it. So we say yes. They gave us a budget and we're like, wow, that's Pretty, I mean, I've never worked with such a big budget. Matrix money, baby. No, it, no, it, it was, was a matrix. It was, it, was, it was very small. It was small, but for <laughs> us, it was big. Oh, really? Of course. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Because we went to the art store to buy supplies, and we had a lot of money, more than I normally had when I go to the art store. And I was like, oh, my God, I can buy all these flowers that I love. So first, we're going to build a set like, oh, can you also do masks? So, so we, we created so the masks. video is called Epilepsy is Dancing. Oh, I know this video. It's so beautiful. First, we were going to make a tiny set. And then a tiny she set, rented they, this huge set. It's a huge warehouse. And then what about the masks? And then what about the makeup? And then so, their makeup artist never showed up. So we had to do the makeup. Oh, my goodness. Their custom artists never showed up. So we had to <gasps> make the custom. Yeah. The way it looks, the what everybody's looks. wearing. Yeah. We made everything happen. And the set, the custom. The I had no idea that was you. I mean, I am such a fan <laughs> of this video. This is so incredible. How fabulous. Anani's outfit, it was all made by us. Yeah, yeah. Her oh. outfit, her mask. How exquisite. So, but if you notice the video, when you watch it, probably rewatch watch it again, you're going to see that, you know, she's singing butterflies and flowers. So that was taken from the painting that, of mine that Lana and Karen so had churches. And then the same painting comes out in Sensei yes. above the bed of in Mexico. Yes. So this painting is called The Song That Traverses a Tenebrous World. This is a painting of someone who looks, I would say, more masculine. Is it a self-portrait? It's a self-portrait. There you go. Great. There's these, is it roses coming out of your mouth, Tino? Yes. Uh -huh. oh, it's so, so beautiful. They purchased this painting and this painting was part of Sense8. And then they're like, you guys want to be in the show? We need a couple of fairies to be in the show. We're like, okay. And then we actually are the fairies on episode one at the Palace of Fine Arts, walking around, spreading petals in the air and selling pop brownies. Not selling, giving <laughs> away magic. Giving away magic to the trans actress and the queer girlfriend, yeah. Ah. Yeah, we're on the premiere episode and on the ground On the finale, finale in they, Paris, they, at the, the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. For a whole day. We can continue spreading our magic there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, listen. This is the Valentine's Day episode. We've ended on <laughs> Paris, the city of love. City of love. I yes. mean, I could talk to the two of you for so much more time. I'm afraid this is all the time we have right now, but may this be the first of many conversations because speaking of love, I truly love the work that you make. I have such Thank love so for much. the both of you individually and together. 
So this was a real gift for my early birthday. Thank you both so much for being on The Witch Wave. Likewise. It's Likewise. been wonderful. We have loved connecting with you. It's been a true pleasure. <laughs> yes. Ever since the book came out, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, fabulous essays on the book. Yes, this is the witchcraft volume from the yes. Library of Esoterica. Absolutely. And actually, before we go, I know people are going to want to learn where they can see both of your artwork. I know you have that skull calendar that you both collaborate on. So why don't we leave with just a few more bits of magical rose petals for people to follow? So, Tino, why don't we start with you? Where can people see more of your work? Uh, people can see my work online at tinododriguez.com. We're also on Instagram, Tina Rodriguez Artist. Mm -hmm. uh, also on pomegranate.com, they sell postcards, calendars, and jigsaw puzzles with our paintings in it. Cards and card sets. Whoa, I bet that puzzle's really hard to do because knowing how it is, it is, it's a thousand pieces. <laughs> it looks it, it, 1,000 pieces. But people love doing it because your work is so intricate. And there's yeah. a brand new one coming out, even more intricate, if even that's possible. More intricate. How fabulous. And Virgo, what about you? Virgoparaiso.com mm -hmm. or also on Instagram under Virgoparaiso. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see each of your work and your work together in person someday. In the meantime, yes. I'm going to keep gazing at it lovingly online. This is such an honor and a joy. Thank you for the beauty you make and the magic that you make. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pareso for sharing their splendid third mind and third heart with me. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on The Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Our new Witchwave logo was designed by Thunderwing. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Lara Antal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots and lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchWavePod. And you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft and or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which are both available everywhere now. And if you want more Witch Wave or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.